Welcome to the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, featuring stellar conversations with emerging and established Wickedly Smart Women. Thanks for joining us today as we celebrate women who are committed, care deeply, and have the courage to take action and create conscious change all around the world. Now here's your Wickedly Smart host, Angel B. Hartwell. Welcome to another episode of the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, where we celebrate wickedly smart women and provide our listeners with a wealth of wisdom, along with immediately actionable steps to be smarter, spunkier, and more successful in their impact and their leadership. This is your host, Angel B. Hartwell, and today we welcome our special guest, Lindley Baker. After graduating with high honors from the Wharton School of Business, Lindley pursued a successful actuarial career, and actuarial career means applied mathematics, in insurance. She quit to raise her six children for 19 years in four countries. She earned a Master of Music Performance degree from Ball State University and also speaks four languages. Lindley returned to her profession and in five years was promoted to full vice president. Lindley shares that unconventional career paths are possible through her company, Linfluence. Her first book is her message, Don't Be Afraid to Do What You Really Want to Do, Reach All Your Life Dreams. And I had the pleasure of meeting Lindley at the National Publicity Summit in February. And uh, so thank you so much for being here, Lindley. Welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to be here, Angel. Yeah, I remember when you were um, at National Publicity Summit, I thought, this is something that we haven't talked about on Wickedly Smart Women before. I mean, you have so many things, Lindley. You, your actuarial career is something that is not, you know, by any stretch of the imagination on most people's radar screen is even a career. Then, you know, your willingness to quit and go off and run around the world and raise all these children and then go back to that career. And now you're an author and you're a coach and you're a consultant for people in the actuarial field. You're just an amazing human being. And so I'm really excited that you're here today. And I, I'm glad that you have given us your time. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. So I want to start by asking you, actuarial career. Talk about that a little bit. Where did that come from, Lindley? Were you the one who had the lemonade stand and you were doing all the math on the side? Or did you have math in your family? Like, where did you get inspired to begin down that path? I always really loved math. It was my favorite subject in school. And my dad noticed that somehow he arranged for me to do two years of math in fifth grade. And then after that, I was always a year ahead. And then when I was a junior in high school, he said, Lindley, if you want to work with math and apply it to something practical and not be discriminated against, then be an actuary. That was the first I heard of it. He worked for an insurance company, so he was aware of that career. So my first question is, why would I be discriminated against? Because I was young and didn't know about about life, and I had never felt discriminated against up to that point. But this was the 1970s, and the paper printed their job ads every day with separate sections for the men and for the women. So it was really an issue at the time. And 
my dad explained that, well, to be an actuary is really hard and they don't care if you're a man or a woman. They just care if you can do the calculations. So I was more interested in the part of practical application. Because even though I loved math, I didn't want to be a math professor and do math research at a university. I didn't want to get into like 17 dimensions. I can barely understand three. And so having a practical application was really exciting for me. I was able to major in that in college and got a great job out of college. I love that. Well, what I I love best about this story is there's two things. First of all, you loved math enough that you doubled up on math in fifth grade. I doubled up on English in ninth grade. So so we share that, but mine was English and yours was math. And I ended up graduating a year early because I doubled up on English. I intentionally doubled up on English to graduate a year early. But the other piece about this story that I love is that your dad was so conscious back then. Like that's really, really conscious back in the 70s for him to be aware of the potential pitfalls that you might have as a female, number one, as a math female, number two. And I love that he had the the career in insurance that allowed him to have the awareness uh, to direct you. So that's beautiful. So you ended up graduating getting into the insurance business, and then you quit to raise your six children. So somewhere along the way, you had six children, and somewhere along the way, you decided to quit. Can you share with our listeners about that decision that you made to quit to be a full-time parent? Sure. That was actually one of the hardest things I ever did in my life, even though it was something I really wanted to do. So I grew up in a medium-sized family, but I wanted to have a large family. At least I thought I would. I You can't like know for sure and say, this is what I'm going to do. But I got married pretty young. I was 21. And that was after I already graduated from college. And after a couple of years, I had a son. And then the next year, I had another son. And so at that point, I felt like I needed to, I, I wanted to spend time with the children so I said, I decided, well, I'll quit my job. I was still studying to become a fully qualified actuary because that's like a doctoral level thing, kind of like a JD or an MD. And I had about one year left of that. And actuaries usually work full time while they're finishing up their later exams. So it was kind of normal to have the studying and the job, but it wasn't normal to also have a couple little kids. <laughs> so I thought, well, let me quit my work. And then if I do two things, not three, then I can be successful. So I had the mothering and the studying. And so then I was able to finish in that year. But to start that, I had to come back to work after my maternity leave with a second child and go into my boss and tell him. And I said, no, I want to terminate my employment. And that's the only time in my adult life I stuttered because it was so hard. I loved my job so much, but I loved my children and my husband had graduated. So we didn't need me to work. So I I was able to quit that work and do the mothering work. After I finished my credential, which is called a fellow of the Society of Actuaries. Yes, it kind of sounds like a guy thing. And (laughs) it was when they invented the term in 1949. But nowadays, it's about half and half of genders completing their fellowship. Then I went back to work part time. 
And then when my husband went to grad school, I went back to work full time. And that was great for me to use my full credential and have fun applying that at work. Then my husband got transferred to Japan. So I thought, well, I, I don't think I can handle working as an actuary in the Japanese language. So that's when I started my 19 year break. And I did learn Japanese because I wanted to have friends, local friends, and not be limited to whatever little bit of English they might know. So I really loved learning the language, but I did not even try to work as an actuary in, in Japan. Yeah, beautiful. Well, I love that you have four languages. So, what are your other three languages? I mean, obviously, English, Japanese, what else? French and Spanish. Beautiful. Well, I'd love to have you shout out to our listeners in Japan if you'd like and some like give them a greeting because I know we have listeners all around the world. So, when we get to the shout out part of the show, maybe you can be our on site linguist to say hello to our <laughs> listeners in Japan and France and Spain, right? Beautiful. All right. So, Lindley, let's talk about being a world traveler. You know, obviously, if you have four languages, French and Spanish, as well as Japanese, maybe you、um, spent some time in Japan, but then went somewhere else. Did you move to other countries? So, tell us about being a traveling mom. Yes, that's a huge adventure because you can't just Do the routine every year. You have to figure out what school do you put the children in, how, what activities. And when we lived in Asia, we would have to bring anything that we couldn't buy during the school year in our suitcases in August, like a brownie mix that you want to have in February. You have to have that in your suitcase in August and you have to not eat it until then. <laughs> so yeah, it's a lot of organizing, but it's also a lot of. Opportunity to teach the children because they can see the contrast in the cultures of the different countries. And we would always go see local sites. And it was very interesting to see like how the different cultures lived and things. So, so that was great. After three years in Japan, we moved over to China. And you may have noticed that was not on my list of languages. But I hadn't finished learning Japanese at the time. So I continued learning Japanese while I was in China. I actually had neighbors who spoke Japanese when I lived in China because they had all the foreigners in a separate neighborhood, and many of the foreigners were Japanese. So I made new Japanese friends in China. And also, I, I thought because the writing system is so similar between Japanese. And Chinese, that if I tried to learn Chinese before I had all the Japanese down, it all get jumbled up in my head and I wouldn't know either one.、Mm. So, did not learn Chinese. But in China, I found a daughter. We had four sons and I didn't seem to be able to produce a daughter. So, the Chinese had a lot of orphanages that had. Daughters, girls available to be daughters, and you can choose the gender when you adopt. So, we adopted a little girl who's now 28, and that was a really wonderful addition to our family. After China, we lived in the US for about 10 years, and then we went to France for my husband's job. And French was my high school language, so I was able to go back to that and learn it better and learn the new words like. Portable. They didn't teach me that. It's spelled like the English word portable, and it means cell phone. And for some reason, they didn't teach me that one. 
in high school. So, because no one had cell phones. Anyway, but I loved the French culture when I was in high school. I loved living there. And that was really great. And then after I came back to the U.S., after France, I was working for MetLife Insurance. And I had a team of younger actuaries, some of whom were in the U.S., some were in India. So those all spoke English, but some were in Argentina. And they were required to learn English to do their job, but I decided I would try to learn Spanish. And then there was this camaraderie between me and them because we were always trying to learn from each other. And I always said, like, if I say something wrong or strange, please let me know. And then I would do the same for them. And that way they didn't feel like they were kind of behind. We were all just kind of in this enriching environment learning. And so that's where my fourth language came from. I love it. Well, we're already at the break, so it's a perfect time to exercise one or more of your your languages. Wiggly Smart Women, we do need your help. If you're enjoying the show and want us to stay on the air, please consider making a donation at www.wickedlysmartwomen.com. We'd love to have you share with your lovely lady friends that you think might benefit from our content. I do want to say a big thank you to all of our listeners who are downloading, rating, and reviewing, and we're welcoming thousands and thousands of downloads from all over the world. And let's shout out this week to our listeners in Japan, France, and Spain. So Lindley, if you'd like to go ahead and be our official voice for those three countries, that would be awesome. Bienvenidos, Wickedly Women podcast. Bienvenue, Wickedly Women podcast. Beautiful. I love it. Thank you so much, Lindley. We are going to be right back in just a moment with Lindley Baker. The Wickedly Smart Women podcast is brought to you by the Wealthy Life Mentor. Women, are you on the edge knowing that life is calling you to make a change? Are you ready to be part of the evolution of what it means to be a wickedly smart woman creating your wealthy life by design, a life that is an extraordinary work of art? Angel B. Hartwell, the Wealthy Life Mentor, is hired by Women in Transition, women just like you who want to break through to their brilliance, become clear on the value of their wisdom, and embody a beauty-filled, balanced life of shameless self-expression. Discover your Wealthy Life readiness by taking the quiz at quiz.wealthylifementor.com. And we are back. Lindley, I apologize for putting you on the spot there, but that was awesome. That's the first time we've had a multilingual shout out to our listeners around the world in 81 countries. So thank you so much for doing that. For those of you who would like to find out more about Lindley, you can go to linfluence.pro, www.linfluence. So that's the letter L followed by the word influence dot pro. We'll have that for you in the show notes. There you can get access to her book. Don't be afraid to do what you really want to do. Reach all your life dreams. And you can also find out about some of the courses that she has available. And she also does actuarial coaching. So let's talk, Lindley, about, you know, first of all, one of the things that I really want to reflect on 
about your pre-break story is you are a learner. You love to learn. And you are also somebody, it sounds like, that not only loves to learn, but you also love to create a container within which other people are able to learn and grow as well. So when did you learn that you wanted to write a book and begin offering courses? When I got to my career goal, which was full vice president of an insurance company, I was so excited because that's a big goal to reach, even if you don't take a 19-year break or one-year break or whatever. But that same day, I realized I had to tell other people it was possible because I would talk to other, especially women that were actuaries, like sometimes I was like their mentor and they're saying, well, I think I'll just have one child because I think that's all I can handle and still have a career. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, I'm your mentor and I have six kids. And not that she wants six kids, but if she really wants two kids or three kids, I'm thinking, well, and then I would coach her. I'm like, well, well, what do you mean about that? And look at me. And then another thing is I would volunteer during my break. I kept connected to my profession and that was key to coming back. So I volunteered with the education committee with the Society of Actuaries. So I wrote exam questions. I wrote educational material for them. I worked on committees that wrote about the new laws and things like that. So I was able to keep up. And once I was at a committee meeting with a bunch of people and there was this new volunteer, so I introduced myself. It turned out she was on break too from her kids. And so I asked her, well, when do you want to go back to work? And she said, oh, I, I don't think I'll ever figure it out again. I've been gone two years. I'm like, oh, dear, I've been gone 15 years so far. I'm not ready to go back. Am, am I just dreaming like something's impossible for people like that, that, you know, you've worked for a decade or two to prepare for your career. You don't want to just have to throw it away because your kids are going to grow up, hopefully, and leave the house. And there's time for you to do something again with your profession if you want to. So I decided at that point, I needed to write a book to let people know the strategies that can get you through a long break and that you can think out of the box and reach your dreams and don't just assume something's impossible because society says it's impossible. Mm. Yeah, I love that. Well, you know, one of the things that I also want to talk about here, Lindley, because I don't think that we do talk about this enough as women. I grew up in the time frame where there was a lot of pressure to be in a career path. But at the same time, I grew up where my mom stayed home. And so there was like an internal part of me. When I had my son, I just like, my heart wanted to be home, but my head wanted to be working. And so I felt split all the time. And what I love about what you're bringing to the table is that you really blew the doors off of the myth that you can't be a full-time mom and then go back to your career. It sounds like you really blew the doors off of that myth. And I don't know whether it's as a result of changing times or as a result of the very tightly niched career path that you were in, or whether it's just a result of your own resilience and saying, I'm not going to settle for anything less than what I want. And it sounds to me like that's what's really been the decisive factor for you. So I'd love to have you talk about maybe a little bit of the internal work that you needed to do 
for and with yourself. And, and maybe if you have some tips for our listeners about if they're faced in that moment, like for me, I felt torn for so many years. Like I really wasn't feeling fulfilled, fully fulfilled parenting, but there was no way I was going to be working all the time and having just a daycare child. Do you know what I mean? So I'd love to hear if you have any, you know, specific actionable things that women can be considering maybe from your book or from one of your courses when they're in that space of thinking that they are missing out on something or have to compromise or can't have what they want? Well, for everyone, there's different solution and they're all okay. And I think that's something that can help people feel better. Like my dreams are not someone else's dreams. So don't try to reach my dreams and I don't want to try to reach yours. And the first step really is just to get comfortable with with where you are. And if you like if you want to take a break, you want to make sure you're going to be okay financially, that you're going to be doing self-care and that you're going to not give up on other dreams. If you are on a break, you want to figure out a way to keep current without working. So you could take a class, you could teach a class, you could volunteer like with the education like I did. Some people can work like one day a month, like a nurse or something. And if you can stay connected during a break, then you're more likely to be able to get hired afterwards. That was really key for me to get back. And then there's also, if you are on a break, you might be learning some really good job skills, organizational leadership, dedication to a cause. In fact, Google's done research on what makes a successful team member and what makes a successful leader. And there are all these soft skills that mothers are practicing every day, whether they're full-time moms or they're full-time workers and moms. And those things, when I was coming back, they couldn't be mentioned at all. They couldn't go on your resume. I once during a job interview, I mentioned I had six kids because I thought that was kind of impressive to be able to organize them and in four countries and all that. And the interview went totally dead. It's like, okay, so much for that job. And so I think things are changing. That was about 10 years ago. And with the job market tightening for people are starting to open up their minds to consider people after a break, to consider accepting someone for part-time work or whatever that you want to do to bring balance to your life. And like I have one example in my book of a lady who was the vice president of a marketing firm. And she was in client relations. Well, everyone knows. Everyone knows. Client relations, that's a full-time job. That's more than a full-time job. Your clients call you all the time. But she had some kids that had aged out of after-school care. She had these middle schoolers. She was very concerned about what they were doing between when they got out of school and when she got home from work. She decided, well, I'm going to ask my boss if I can get off work when my kids get off school. And he said, yes. He even said, maybe you could be a role model for women. And she agreed to take client calls whenever. So she might be home at the kitchen table with her kids doing their homework on the client call, but she was home. Probably math. Was, probably they were doing their math homework. <laughs> maybe. But she was she was there and she was she started at 32 hours. By the time she retired, she was down to 20 hours a week. With this still that full-time job. Whereas if her friends told her, well, if you even ask to do it, they're going to never consider you for anything again. So there is this general trend toward accepting alternate work arrangements, but it does vary by organization. 
And so one thing I've done on my website is I have started a break friendly firms directory, the BFF directory of firms that I know will consider you. There's MetLife Insurance, um, even the state of Utah has started a new program they call a return ship. It's kind of like an internship to help you get back in. And so it's something that is gradually coming into the workplace. And it's just such a huge shift from 80 years ago, 60 years ago, when you only had the guy in the workforce and he was in the same company for his whole career. And if he did anything outside of work, it was frowned on because he was supposed to be just dedicated. Employers realize more that people are whole people Mm. and they don't just have work. And so there is this movement toward toward more open-mindedness. Yeah. Beautiful. I love it. Well, I love everything that you've got going on, Lindley. Uh, You're such an amazing leader, such an amazing role model. And I definitely want to encourage people to go to find out more about you and especially those BFFs, Break Friendly Firms. I love that. So creative. You're super creative. And we are already at the end. It's amazing how quickly this comes. If there's one last thing that you'd like to express in the minute that we have left, what would it be? That People should set up an antenna in their minds for all their dreams. And then as they go through life, as things come up, they can take advantage of them. And remember that your dreams are unique to you because you are unique. Beautiful. All right. Well, thank you so much, Lindley. It's been my pleasure to have you here. These shows always go so quickly and you are super wickedly smart. So I want to say thank you to our listeners as well. Listeners, we do love feedback. Please let us know what you thought of today's show by calling into our listener line. We'll have that for you in the show notes, or you can send in questions or guest suggestions to listeners at wickedlysmartwomen.com. We might even give you a shout out on the show. Today, we were shouting out in Japanese, French, and Spanish, as well as English. So thank you for that, Lindley. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Keep your ears open. And remember, you are a wonderful woman. Thanks for tuning in, downloading, and listening. Be sure to rate and review Wickedly Smart Women on Apple Podcasts and share with other women who can benefit from today's episode. Wickedly Smart Women is the premier podcast series for informing, activating, and inspiring the leader who carries profound wisdom and knows that now is the time to welcome wealth. We welcome your feedback and guest suggestions and invite you to subscribe to our mailing list to be notified of each new episode at wickedlysmartwomen.com.